Hello and welcome to the Breakdown Podcast. I am Jamie Finch-Penninger and I am joined today by NRS, still the NRS series leader, Pat Shaw, and the winner of uh, Amy's Otway Tour, uh, Beck Wysak. And it's great to have both of them, of course. Uh, Pat, you're just getting ready for National Capital Tour now. Um, how, how are you doing, mate? Too bad. Um, unfortunately, I had a bit of a crash on the last stage of Tour of Gippsland, but that hasn't affected my training. So, yeah, looking forward to paying the boys back a bit um, in the Tour of Canberra, a tour that's less suited to my capabilities. And Beck, um, winner, winner on both the, both the stages of Amy's Tour there. You must be pretty ecstatic about that. Yeah, I was thrilled with the weekend. It was uh, fantastic to get back to Amy's Otway Tour. That's the third year that's been held uh, for women. That's part of the National Road Series for us. And my High Five Dream team were brilliant all weekend. They uh, absolutely buried themselves for me. And uh, yeah, I was thrilled to deliver two stage wins and uh, the overall GC. And we, all, of course, also picked up the Queen of the Mountains jersey um, and the Sprinters jersey uh, and Teams class. So it was quite a successful and very rewarding weekend. We'll go on and we'll talk about um, Tour of Gippsland and Amy's Otways Tour. So we'll go into that now. And we're back. Um, First of all, we'll go into Gippsland, I suppose, um, which was held first chronologically and uh, started off with um, that criterion there where it was uh, won by N-Swiss's um, Scott Law in the sprint, and he's showing himself to be a really fast uh, rider on those on those flat finishes there. Um, I don't expect to beat him head to head, but um, we got what we wanted out of that stage, and that was to um, refine the GC race uh, down to a smaller amount of riders to make it a more simple race to control. Um, and look, the guys in the team that rode the front, Joe, Robbie, Pat Lane, Sam, caused absolute turmoil in the bunch. Um, and I think a lot of people was um, caught off guard. And after about, there was only about 30 riders left in the field. So, yeah, it was it was a perfect outcome. I couldn't win the stage. Unfortunately, I missed time to sprint. But, you know, Scott's a great sprinter. So there's no harm in finishing second to Scott. From there, it went into that um, second stage there where it was a really tight finish and look of things. Um, I think Sean, Sean Whitfield put his hand up going across the line there. But... Um, in the end, it was you who just grabbed that grabbed that stage there? Yeah, look, like um, I said in the interview post-race, AJ said to me that he wanted to lead me out. He wasn't feeling well enough to sprint. Um, and so, yeah, I followed him and he got me in a great position, but we hit the front too early. Um, so I had to get him to back it off. And then I still had to go at about 300 metres to go, but I'd stuffed that finish up twice before and I didn't want to stuff it up a third time. Um, so I was glad to get the win. Um, but I didn't think that I, I didn't know if I'd won it. I thought I was definitely close, but, um, showed it was half a wheel. So still plenty. Um, but unfortunately for Whitfield who saluted for the, the win, uh, he was second. Yeah. I, I like Sean a lot. He, I call him the, the silent giant of the Peloton cause he's a, he's a big guy, but, um, you, you never hear him speak or anything. He's, he's a quiet, he's mm. a quiet chap. So. He's, he's an interesting one. He definitely, he, he definitely had a fair bit to say after he finished second, that's for sure, uh, the next days in the peloton. But um, I'm sure that he's come off that second place now. And, in, yeah, hopefully he'll continue to improve as a rider. Um, maybe, Pat, you can take us through the third stage there. 
Yeah, so then that was um, that was the stage where um, Joe uh, broke away, I think, in the final there, and um, it was split up quite considerably over the climb at the midpoint where the KOM was. A couple of riders tried to get away for the KOM, but um, again, Anthony Giacopo rode the first half of that climb and brought them back. And then Chris Hamilton set a phenomenal pace over the top, splitting the group. And then, then Swiss waited for Scott Law and rode it back. And there was a full group compact again. Um, and then as it does on that other side, it just got crosswinds and, and started the attacks and quite messy racing. There was a couple of crashes. And then uh, in the final 15K, Joe split off the front with Pat Lane and uh, Jacob Kaufman and they were never to be seen again. And um, I knew they wouldn't be, but there was other teams quite confident they could bring them back. In the end, Pat Lane won the stage from uh, Jacob Kaufman and then um, Joe just in behind them and us, at, us in the group at six, uh, six seconds. Yeah, a lot of power on that threesome there. And we saw it again from Joe Cooper on the next stage over Mount Misery and uh, it... Is he just um, too good at the moment, um, Joe? He's he's long been renowned as having a lot of power, and um, now he's now he looks like the best climber and the guy with the most power on the flat as well. I mean, is he unstoppable on on the stage like um, the Mount Misery stage? Uh, the Mount Misery stage was one that worked in a certain like it was a tough day all day. Uh, there wasn't much recovery in any part of the terrain, and then by the time we actually got to the com. There was actually other teams that tried to... We rode the front for about 80, 90 Ks with AJ Giacobo again. And it actually tried to put us on the back foot by riding sort of the gutter into the climb, but it seemed to work in our favour because it just put everyone on the on the limit. And then the climb, we just rode quite regularly the first time and then caught the break right at the top. And I said to Joe, I reckon they're on the, on the rafters. And... Yeah, they were, seemingly. Um, so they chased for a full lap, the peloton, of what was left of it, of 25 riders, 30 riders. And then, again, we hit the bottom of the climb and we had Joe at just 14 seconds for the second um, ascent of Mount Misery. But he just doesn't come back. So he sat at 14 seconds, 16 seconds, and then by the top, he probably had 30 or 25 seconds. And at that stage, it was just Angus Lyons, um, Dylan Sunderland, and the three Avanti riders, myself, um, Robbie Hucker and, and Chris Hamilton, obviously giving no help at all. I'm definitely quite interested to know how that other groups uh, caught back up because the pace we were setting and the gap that they had lost on the climb was considerable. And uh, I think that's something for the commissaires to control better. I think a lot of guys are motor pacing in the NRS now and I don't like it at all because it's it's not in the spirit of the sport, nor is it in the spirit of development of the NRS riders. But um, Joe Joe still went as fast as those guys and put more time into us and won the stage by a minute or a bit over that. Yeah, on that motor pacing issue, it's not just prevalent in the NRS. I mean, we see a hell of a lot of it in Asian cycling. I know, for instance, and, and worse in Asian cycling, people getting toes. Um, but also in the Vuelta, I mean, there were riders commenting that the biggest issue these days on fairness isn't doping, it's uh, motorbikes and getting paced by motos and motos causing crashes and stuff like that. I mean, affecting the race situation. So it's, it's, not, it's not just um, in the local scene, but um, as you say, it is, a, it is a problem. Yeah, I just think it's like some of these guys would be better for them to lose time anyway and then be aggressive in the next stage and have an opportunity. But really does blow my mind and just think like either you you turn up to the event prepared and you train and you do your best and be proud of that effort. Otherwise, uh, if you're just going to motor pace, well, then why bother even going out training? 
Yeah, Beck, do you see this at all um, in the women's races? Well, I've only been uh, back in the NRS. I've done the last two tours, King Valley and Amy's, and I'm definitely not aware of it in the last two tours. Uh, having said that, two years ago uh, in the Mersey Valley tour for women, there was, uh, we have in the, the convoy, sometimes teams have their vans and they're supposed to sit at the back of the uh, the convoy. But of course, when you get splits on the, the hilly stages down like at Guns Plains, it has happened in the past. It's, it's a purely an honesty system if the teams are prepared to do it for their riders and the riders are prepared to do it. Um, as, as Pat said, it's, it's for the commissaires and unfortunately, they're not uh, scattered all along the course. They're with the leaders and uh, they don't often see what's happening in the races. So it's an unfortunate part of the racing. And uh, yeah, as with everything, it, it's just a, a purely an honesty system. I think from my perspective, the, it wasn't even, for, for me personally, it changed nothing for the event because the results would have been the same for me and it would have been the same for Joe and, and, and a lot of others. But I think the young riders jersey would have ended up on different people. Um, and I think that you're like Angus Lyons and, and Dylan Sunderland were at the front driving uh, their group of five and then, you know, five or six young riders come back in that next group and they've potentially motor paced it's just really disappointing for those guys because they were really trying to race the real race at the front of the of the bike race and and yet they put all the effort in and actually do the hard training and are the best athletes out there and they don't get no reward for their effort um so that's what disappoints me it's nothing for me personally because it changed none of my results but i just think it's just um it's definitely saying that our motor pacing and, and doing it on purpose should have a think about maybe how, uh, you know, should be really considered doping as well. Fair point. Um, well, you took second on that stage, so you didn't do too badly, um, even with the group coming back. And uh, then into the final stage, it was a bit of a messy sprint by the sound of things. Um, you went down on that final corner there and um, it was, uh, again, Scott Law who won the race um, with a decent gap over the next finisher, um, Cameron Scott. And uh, Nicholas White from um, Oliver's Real Food was in third there, and he's not exactly a noted sprinter. So, um, yeah, it would sound a bit messy there in the final. Oh, it wasn't really. I just, I don't know what happened. I've still been thinking about it now, and I'm still very uh, angry at myself because I don't usually make those mistakes. And I do really think that was the first uh, chance to go head-to-head with Scott Law where I could have maybe come over him because it was a headwind finish. But it's hard to know against Scott. He's so talented so fast but um yeah my mistake the boys did all the work for me and had me set up perfectly and i hadn't had to do anything all day i really should have nailed that one so um that yeah it still hurts a bit that one but um good on the other guys getting out there as well like it's good to see um cameron scott he's only 18 years of age or maybe 17 or something it's it's really um a great effort for him he did a great tour um and nick white you know young ballarat rider i must admit i'm pretty um, close to what he's doing because I, I coach him. So um, it was good to see him get on the NRS podium too to take the spot since I stuffed it up. Yeah, only second um, podium for Oliver's Real Food. So, and they're doing well this year. They've um, got Ryan Christensen up there a few times and yeah, coming along well with Nick White as well doing well. Uh, or third, I suppose, with Sean Whitfield getting second. So yeah, doing even better. Yeah, that's um, great. yeah, and one to four on the general classification were all of anti away sport riders, and I saw, I saw the teams classification, and you guys are on a hundred and twenty-four points, and then I think second is um, N Swiss <laughs> with thirty points. So, you guys are running away with the teams, uh, the overall 
series teams classification there a bit. Um, which, you know, I mean, it'd be nice if it was a close battle, but I think the results so far have, said, have shown that you deserved your lead in that classification. Well, and, you know, there's some people out there saying like, oh, well, you got the best riders. Well, yeah, but we also um, plan very hard for each event. We treat each event with respect. Um, I'm really proud of how we've raced this year, and I think it's going to be a test to see if we can go the whole year and, and, and win all the NRS series. and an objective and um, we treat the NRS with respect because we know there's a lot of talent in it and I think if we can run one through four it should be a pat on our backs for the execution why we race because we're not beating nobody and certainly this week will be as we head to Canberra it'll be another huge challenge. Yeah, and it was Cyrus Monk who took the young rider's jersey there, Scott Law who won the sprint, and on the mountains it was um, Joe Cooper who won that. So, interesting racing all. Any any final takeaways there? Were there um, any anyone who particularly sprung up and surprised you there? I think Dylan Sunderland was moving well. I was really disappointed to see uh, Mike coming crash. I thought he was starting to come good as well, and he and he's broken a wrist now, so that's disappointing. Um Probably a note that Beck would like to hear is that we definitely missed Ben Hill. Um, it took a bit of uh, pizzazz out of the racing. Um, that young Cameron Scott, I thought it was a fantastic effort from Nen Swiss, really young guy. Um, he did well. Um, and outside of that, wasn't a whole lot of standouts this, this tour, Jamie. It was a lot of following around, a lot of people uh, waiting for for them um, and it was probably the least uh, challengeable to us so far um, as as planning and tactics was involved especially coming off tour of king valley which was seemed to be such a battle and such a challenge that whole tour i really enjoyed that um, so maybe ben back this week for canberra might bring all that back again <laughs> Well, hopefully. Um, we'll move on to Amy's tour now, and we'll come back with Beck Wysak. Okay, and we are back with Stage 1 and Stage 2 winner, Rebecca Wysak. Um, Beck, uh, you, you started off with the Criterion win, which might not sound unusual to people, but you took it in, in dramatic style with your, your long uh, solo move there. Yeah, I don't think I've actually won a, a race uh, with an attack that far out before and it wasn't actually our plan. Uh, we've got, of course, Kendall Hodges in our squad and she had a, a big season in, in America this year uh, at King Valley Tour recently. She uh, was on my bike. She had some issues with her bike and uh, she was on my spare. So she decided to sprint for me there. And then at this tour, we said, you know, we'll see how Kendall's legs are. Um, and... I guess halfway through the race, there'd uh, been a couple of little attacks from other teams, but she put in a couple of, um, I guess, attacks of her own. And then I thought, well, she mustn't be feeling that great uh, for the finish. So she kind of looked around at me and uh, looked a couple of times. I was fourth wheel and I, I just guess it was uh, a bit telepathic, but uh, <laughs> I just uh, attacked the group and got away and uh, it was consistently between I guess 15 25 seconds the whole time and uh, each of the teams I could see were just using up uh, all of their workhorses to try and bring the break back it wasn't a uh, consolidated chase so 
I just had my head down, went into full-time trial mode and uh, luckily held them off and uh, had enough time to sit up and do uh, my very first ever proper double-handed <laughs> salute. And uh, yeah, I was most impressed uh, and excited about that as well. Yeah, and you nailed the double-handed salute as well. Not everyone can manage it first time. Um, <laughs> yeah, those hot dog circuits, they can, they can be quite tricky, especially with the tight hairpins um, that you have down in um, Amy's tour there. It requires, um, you know, a, a full, almost like a full sprint out of every corner. I mean, what sort of efforts uh, were you putting out, um, getting out of the saddle to get back up to speed out of those corners? Yeah, definitely. We did this crit last year. So it's a 1K hot dog circuit uh, in Main Street of Lawn. It actually uh, goes slightly downhill into the bottom corner and then uphill. So it's almost a power climb as well as you've kind of backed off the gas to break into the corner. So I was doing consistently 700 watts out of, out of the bottom corner. And then uh, I was on a my race bike for the very first time, actually. I'd been on my training bike all season because I've been overseas quite a bit. So I didn't want to take the, uh, the nice Willia 07 frame overseas for fear of breaking it. But uh, I just, I guess I wasn't used to how the bike handled. I wasn't really happy with how I was cornering. A lot of the girls were locking it up and skidding out. Uh, I have, we did have two crashes on the bottom corner where girls uh, came down. So I think, yeah, the safest place for me as well was off the front. Um, it's definitely challenging. As you said, the, the 72 standing starts does... Uh, sap the legs and I think that's what my advantage was in the end that everybody was just as tired as I was um, and my track background and the the power and the strength that I had meant that I could actually do those uh, consistent and repeated efforts uh, and then recover. It's um, it's always very difficult too to get a chase burger if you um, think about the Bay Crits uh, um, in Geelong in January it always splits up, but it, but it has been uh, one in a breakaway on that hot dog circuit several times because it's so hard to get a, a, a guy to continually ride or a, or, or a girl to ride the front for a consistent amount of laps. And to really close in on a breakaway rider or a small group, you nearly need a single rider to do the work because each time they swap off, you lose that distance as well. Um, and momentum and um, so it's not a it's not a bad move on a hot dog circuit I find that if you've got the ability and the capacity physically uh, it's a good move and I thought it was a sensational win. Oh it was phenomenal I think five and a half thousand people entered Amy's Grand Fondo on the Sunday it's qualifying points for the Grand Fondo world champs so it, it reminded me of Noosa I've never actually raced the Noosa crit I've done the bolt there as a runner but the entire course was lined. So everybody was getting behind me. It was so exciting. Ian Ma was on commentary. So I was kind of hearing what he had to say as well, but the crowd just really, yeah, totally got behind me, really lifted me, especially the final few laps when I, I was really starting to hurt. But then the girls, uh, my teammates and some of the juniors said that the crowd were also spurring the chase group along kind of saying, you can catch her. She's not that far ahead. So I think they were just supporting everybody and, yeah, it was a fantastic showcase of women cycling and, and definitely crowds that I don't think any of us in the NRS get to race in front of. So brilliant initiative from the Amy Gillett Foundation and, and yeah, very grateful for having had that opportunity. Yeah, and uh, behind you on that stage, it was uh, Leeson Hawkins um, taking second with um, your teammate, Lucy Kennedy, sprinting into third. 
still after that stage, uh, Leeson Hawkins and Ruth Corsett were right up there on the GC because they'd taken a lot of bonus seconds on the sprints throughout the stage. Um, so coming into that that second stage on the much hillier um, course um, that the Fondo goes over as well, you must you you mightn't have been as confident um, of keeping that lead, given the quality of riders just behind you on the general classification. Yeah, definitely wasn't confident. Um, I felt fantastic on the Saturday and I did recover pretty well. I woke up and my legs felt good and jumped on the uh, rollers for six minutes and my teammate Sam said, is that all you're going to do? I said, we just warm up till you feel good and I feel good. So uh, I hoped that it would um, you know, play out in a way that I could stay with the climbers, but you, you just don't know how, how the race is going to pan out. And uh, at any point, if the climbers decided to light it up, I would have been dropped. Um, Ian Ma in the, the, at the podium presentation from the after the crit kind of joked that I can't uh, climb over a cherry nut because I'm, I'm definitely not known for, for my climbing. So that kind of spurred me along a little bit as well to, to prove that I can climb. Um, I've won the Tour of Geelong previously in the Anarchy Circuit, um, yeah. keeping up with the, the climbers. So my dad kind of says, I've always been able to climb. I think there was a hashtag too going around, hashtag can climb. But uh, I, uh, yeah, the first climb was 11 kilometres from the gun, um, went uphill up Ben Warren climb in Lawn, and it was a very sedate pace. So Kendall and I were on the front initially just uh, controlling it, and then I thought oh, about halfway up, I probably should sit in and, and get a little bit of rest, so I'm not in the wind the whole time, get a little bit of recovery. And there was really only one attack during that climb from um, Justine Barrow, who just returned from the, the Perth Grand Fondo World Champ. She won the 35 to 39 age group, and she was probably the most aggressive during the, the first half of the race. She was in a couple of moves, one solo move on the second QOM, and then in a two-rider move later on in the race. But she had an attack, and I guess everyone kind of kept it together, and I was with the climbers at the top. I've never been in that position before, so I, I, I could have gone for sprint, well, the KOM points, uh, but I kind of didn't know how the, the climbers went about that because I've never been up there with them before. So I was kicking myself on the descent that I hadn't had that opportunity to extend my lead. And then uh, listen narrowed the gap to me to three seconds after that. So I kind of was pretty motivated to collect the sprint points and actually got QOM points on the second climb as well. It was third, had to work pretty hard, but thought, I've done all this work to stay up with the climbers that I'm kind of make it count and make sure I get some time time bonus, uh, the bonus seconds there as well. Yeah, and um, there was a dangerous move at one stage. You mentioned um, Justine Barrow going off the front, but also Ella Scanlon-Bohr from Rock Salt um, was on the attack there as well. Um, and that bit, that gap got out to about 50 seconds, I saw on the race radio. Um, was, was there any panic back in the peloton or did you feel that you had it underhand? No, it was definitely not in control at that point. Um, I descended with the, the climbers and we had um, Taryn Heather on the front. She's probably one of the, the mo most skilled riders in the bunch, so I knew to follow her line. I was descending third wheel and around a couple of the hairpins down the bottom lost contact, but was essentially on the back of a small group. I think we only had 11 at the bottom and I was totally isolated. Uh, my other two teammates, Tessa and Lucy, had been dropped on the descent. So at that point, I thought I just have to, to I can't keep it together for 30 k's to the finish. I have to hope that a non-threatening move goes off the front and that everyone just doesn't try attacking me because Rock Salt did have three riders, as did Rush. Um, so they definitely could have... Uh, 
could have had a go of dropping me uh, along that section on the Great Ocean Road. It's slightly, or oh, it's undulating, but slightly uphill. Uh, so when they got away, uh, I was still by myself and just thought, as long as we can keep the gap under about a minute, even if they picked up the time bonus on the final sprint, which was worth 15 seconds, and the stage time bonus was worth 20 seconds. I didn't know their gap on GC, but the next group of riders after the crit were about a minute eight. So it's kind of doing the maths and just hope that my teammates would get back on, which they did with a group of about 10. So, uh, and then we kind of just rode the front to, uh, to make sure the time gap didn't get out too much. I think it did get over a minute at one point because they let a, uh, a team car in the gap. And then we got some time checks, which were 55 and then 44. And then after that, we could kind of see them um, so yeah, I was pretty relieved when my teammates came to join and, and Lucy Kennedy, she was incredible. She rode the front for, for quite a while. Uh, I was on the front for the descents and then took the sprint points along the way as well. And, and I think we caught with about nine Ks to go, um, which I was a bit worried about because you don't want to catch too soon. And then of course all the counter moves go. And, uh, yeah, that was probably the only time that I was a little bit nervous, um, trying to go with all the moves that went in those final nine Ks. But you managed it and you took, took out the sprint there from uh, Ruth Corset in second and Jessica Pratt in third. Um, another good result there from a youngster. Which which of the wins, I mean, I mean, it's hard to compare wins, obviously, but which, which felt more special? I mean, you, you knew by that stage that you'd won the overall as well. So did that make it a bit more special? Yeah, definitely. I think the crit was pretty special, just the way that I won. And I, I don't, I probably haven't really... Uh, appreciated the Sunday course was really challenging and I keep thinking how did I win that it, it had two really uh, tough climbs on it especially the second one where it was just kind of it, it kind of punched it was it would climb up level out climb up level out which I guess uh, having more power climbs uh, and a little bit of recovery in between definitely helped me so 120k road race in a sprint finish and um yeah, that I, I probably they they're equally uh, rewarding and just to to take the two a win, um, yeah, it's just a, a brilliant result and uh, yeah, definitely thanks to to my team because they were strong all weekend. Everyone definitely emptied themselves and uh, we also had yeah Lucy up there um, in GC and then the team secured the the team's classification, which is always one of our our aims into uh, every event. So yeah, very successful and rewarding weekend. And, it's difficult uh, to um, to know how you didn't think you would win that stage if you won Anarchy, uh, Beck, because that Anarchy circuit is probably the hardest circuit in cycling in Australia. I think I was still a roadie back then. Uh, was that 2011, the last time the tour was held? So, uh, yeah, I've been, yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> been on the track uh, in all the years between that. So, uh, yeah, I just... It's hard to know. I have done no climbing and training and I've uh, just been on unstructured training the last six weeks since I came back from the Olympic staging camp. So I've just been riding for fun, going Strava hunting with Ben, uh, signed up to Swift and uh, did some country handicaps, some state open racing in Mudgee and Kudamundra, of course, King Valley Tour. So yeah, I think I'm kind of riding just on on the, the form that I've had from all the, the huge training blocks and camps that we had with the uh, track team and then, yeah, the, the racing uh, in between that. Yeah, fair enough. Um, who, who, picked your, who picked your eye from the rest of the um, riders there? Um, I was particularly impressed with uh, Madeline Fastnacht again. She's, she's a really young rider and she's coming on in leaps and bounds by the look of things. 
Oh, absolutely. Maddie's a young Tasmanian Institute of Sport rider and uh, yeah, she she was very impressive. She's going off to the uh, the World Junior Championships. Uh, so the three girls that are representing Australia, Maddie, Jamie Gunning and Chloe Moran are all at the uh, Amy's Otway Tour and they flew straight out that night to Belgium where their final training camp is. Um, and then they, of course, head over to uh, Qatar for the World Champs. So yeah, Maddie was very impressive. She was fourth in in the sprint finish on on stage two. Um, as as was Jess Pratt. She went to the World Juniors last year. She's a QAS rider. Um, she got third uh, on stage two, and that followed her. I think she was third also at the King Valley uh, Tour in one of the stages. So you know they were her goals for the season, and she has already ticked those off. And it's pretty exciting to see that Maddie's 16 years old. So when she's up there with the seasoned uh, competitors in, in the peloton like Ruth and, and myself. Um, yeah, it's very exciting for um, Australian women's cycling. Certainly. Um, congrats on the performance and uh, we'll come back with a preview of the National Capital Tour. Okay, and it's time to talk about the, the great race in Canberra and it... Um, it is even more in Canberra um, this year. It's going to involve um, an extra circuit uh, race around Yarralumba and then it goes up Black Mountain rather than finishing way out in the, the sticks in Corran Forest where nobody lives. So that'll be great. I mean, it should be a real showcase for the for the um, inner city riding and then it finishes on what it what looks like it's going to be an incredibly tough climb for the riders. Um, Beck, you're, you're the local. Maybe you give us the lowdown on, on the course. I mean, so you've got the first stage, which is the, the Gugong time trial, and it's uh, about seven kilometres, and it goes down that deep ravine and then uh, straight back up to the lookout, and then, and then it's just back to the start again. Yeah, Gugong's actually in New South Wales. I think that's their only uh, NRS race, uh, aside from the Grafton River, of course, for the men. But, um, yeah, it's essentially straight down a hill and then back up a hill. We uh, did some course recon out there last week uh, because the course has changed slightly from the, the course we rode last year. There's a lot of development out there. It, it's a, a new estate um, and lots of construction vehicles. So they've changed the course slightly, but, yeah, it's definitely a very challenging uh, course to, uh, to start the tour. Um, and, yeah, we're all on road bikes, so not that the time trial bikes probably make much difference when you're you're spending a lot of the time climbing, but uh, yeah, very, very tough uh, race to, to kick things off. Yeah, it was Ruth who won that from Ainsley Backer in, in second there. Um, pity she's not back on the circuit, but um, you know, you can't, can't have everything, unfortunately, after that um, nasty crash she had at Santos Women's Tour um, back in January. So pity she's not back here to um, come out again. Um, but in the men's, it was Joe Cooper who who came second there actually from Pat Bevan, who, who um, was very strong on that opening, on that opening time trial. And Joe Cooper, who, though he won the race overall, um, he took second there and that was the foundation of his victory in the end. Um, Pat, you weren't there at the, at the national capital tour last year, were you? No, I wasn't. Paddy Bevan actually pulled out cause he had a knee injury. Uh, he wasn't going to start the tour, but he did the time trial. Um, which just shows you the caliber of him. And obviously that's why he's in world tour, but yeah, he still won the time trial with a crook knee uh, and then pulled out the next day because of inflammation. Um, but yep, Joe won the tour in the end and he very likely to do the same, I think. 
Yeah, it was a bit of a curse of the yellow jersey in the men's um, last year because it um, was on Paddy Bevan's shoulders. Um, then he pulled out the, the following stage. Lucas Hamilton broke away on that climb, took the yellow jersey, and then he pulled. And then he crashed um, on the next stage and had to pull out. And uh, Joe Cooper inherited it um, by virtue of a good chase from Avanti when it looked like Pat Lane might take it on. So anyway, it was a it was a complicated race, and eventually Joe finished up in yellow. Yeah, um, well, we'll move on to the second stage now, um, which is up Black Mountain, which looks like it's a very tricky climb. Um, Beck, give us the local scoop on on what it's like to finish on Black Mountain. Of course, you've got the loops first around um, Yarralumba, but they don't look as decisive as the probably the finish. Yeah, I haven't ridden the loop yet. I know some of the boys have changed their weekly bunch rides to do some um, circuits and, and kind of race simulation around it, but... Uh, yeah, the, the the decisive part will of course be Black Mountain. It's a, a 2K is quite steep at the bottom and uh, it does level out a little bit in the middle, but it's a, a really, really tough climb, very iconic climb in Canberra, uh, finishing at, at Black Mountain Tower. So yeah, it's going to be very, very exciting. I think it will probably, um, you know, you'll, you'll see the big time gaps there. Um, and we've, of course, got some good climbers in our team, Lucy Kennedy uh, and Tessa Fabry, who will be uh, up there uh, competing with the likes of Ruth and, and Lisa Hawkins, who's the NRS leader, and she'd be looking to kind of uh, wrap up her uh, NRS jersey uh, next weekend. Yeah, so in the men, it'll be pretty much the same circuit. It'll be about 23 kilometres longer. It's 100 kilometres compared to the 77 that the women will do, and that will be entirely in the number of Yarralumba loops that they do. Um, who, are, who are we looking at from, from the climbing bunch, um, Pat, to be probably taking the win on that stage? Well, it's difficult to know because I haven't seen a start list yet and there's been no tech regs sent out. So it's a difficult one to know. Everyone's sort of going to the tour a little unknown, but um, I suppose Dylan Sunderland, if he's here from last week, should go pretty good. Angus Lyons, if he's here, will climb well, there's no doubt. Um, Chris Hamilton, Ben O'Connor, Joe Cooper. Ben Hill, he's the local guy. He's going to have been training on it since he didn't enter for Gippsland. He's had plenty of time to prepare for it. Yeah, maybe Sam Burston or Matt Ross? Maybe. Or... Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe Drew Morey could climb a pretty good climb. I'm not so sure. Like if, it's, if we're looking at Matt Ross's, we're probably looking at the patch doors too, and I don't think the patch doors are getting up there. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think realistically we're looking we're looking at Joe Cooper and seeing if anyone can take up the challenge to him. So that will be interesting to see. And then it goes into the final day where it's a double stage day. Um, first of all, there's the Camis, uh, which is 77 kilometres for both the men and the women, and it goes it goes quite a, around Canberra and uh, through the centre of town and then in the suburbs. And that's it's actually a, an interesting course because. Um, a lot of people turn out by the side of the roads, mostly going, what the hell is this race doing taking up um, the road when I'm trying to drive on it? But um, <laughs> they, they, seem to be, they seem to be quite responsive of it when I talked to them afterwards and they were interested. So they didn't take it as too much of an imposition. Um, Beck, um, what, what, what's, it, what's it like um, from a rider's perspective? Um, yeah, it's, I guess it's great to, to ride around uh, Canberra on closed roads when you're not having to contest with the, uh, the motorists and uh, I mean the, the drivers in Canberra are very uh, accommodating anyway but the race, uh, I'm pretty sure the course is the same as last year so it's, uh, it lends itself again to, to breakaway as Pat said earlier, they're difficult to control when you've got a lot of riders um, wanting to, to do something after the, the 
previous two stages when they might not have been time trialists or climbers. So um, it's generally pretty aggressive racing. Um, last year it came down to a bunch sprint finish um, into Stromlo and um, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how that one pans out. Yeah, well, last year um, it was it was um, made, the race was made by Kate Perry going in an early move, and she was in a dangerous position on GC at the time. So I think from from memory, the the Quets, the Queensland um, Emerging Talent Academy of Sport team, had to close that one down because um, Ainsley Backer was position was endangered um, by that move, and Ruth Corset, of course, wasn't going to chase her own teammate down. So um, it was, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting stage, and then you eventually won that sprint there in the in the bunch sprint. Yeah, it was lucky for us. The Quetz team did have to do the work. We were able to sit in and I guess uh, capitalize on that and and kept the legs fresh for the uh, the finish into Stromlo. It's a yeah, the Stromlo course is definitely one that we know very well here in Canberra, and um, yeah, just uh, was able to to sprint away. Uh, there was a, a I think Lucy Kennedy in that stage. Uh, sorry, not Lucy. Um, Lucy Betchell. Um, attacked just into the approach to, to Stromlo Forest as a, a short power climb um, just through there. And, and she was away solo and I only caught her about a hundred metres from the finish line. So yeah, it's a, definitely a race that you kind of need to need to control and, and definitely uh, make sure that you're uh, attentive and well positioned. Yeah. In the men's, in the, in the men's equivalent stage, there was a breakaway that was actually successful in that one with a bunch of African wildlife safari riders. Um, three of them, in fact, splitting off um, the front mid, mid race and being joined by uh, Josh Taylor and a few, a few lesser teams from memory. There was one guy from a local bike shop team, um, park park rides in, in Australia, so in Sydney rather. So yeah, it, and they managed to get, get away to the finish with about a minute's advantage in the end or less than that, about 20 seconds advantage um, on the peloton and they sprinted out for the win with Pat Lane taking the wins. Anytime you do circuits, it's very difficult to control because people get to see the points at which you can split the field or make moves laps previous uh, and it makes it easier to, to plan. If you know that a group is looking quite tired, you know, next time you can attack them in a certain point and take advantage. So um, I do really enjoy the circuit races, looking forward to it. And I think that um, this tour in particular, because of the uh, terrain of the hilltop finish and the time trial, it will be a very aggressive stage. Yeah, and the final stage is um, that criterium circuit that the previous um, stage finishes on, and it's not difficult, and it shouldn't really split up the peloton too much. Um, Beck, you you took a, took the win um, with a very late attack in like the finals two laps, I think, where you just split off the front and were too strong to to be caught. I think I actually just uh, attacked on the the final corner. Um, I think it was the collarbone corner. Um, we race it in a clockwise direction. So yeah, maybe less than 500 meters from the finish and, and just rode off the front, um, which, yeah, which was great to get the double stage win last year. Um, as I said, it's a course we all know very well, but a lot of the riders in the NRS would have done that course at some point, all of the, uh, the junior nationals, uh, the, the junior Canberra women's Canberra tour during the middle of the years held on this circuit. So yeah, I don't think there'll be a, any surprises there um, and it just depends I guess how windy it is so you do see the local crits on a Wednesday night split up depending on um, how ferocious the wind is. 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned the collarbone corner because the course layout itself reminds me of a different piece of anatomy and um, it's often been commented upon um, by people. And you surely, I mean, if you haven't seen it, go along online and look at stage four of the of the map because, I mean, surely you must realise what, what shape you're making when you make a course that looks like that. Oh, I'm not sure who you wanted to, who that question was directed to. <laughs> It, it's, you can take that as a general comment, I think. Okay, um, that should do us from the National Capital Tour. Um, we'll be back for the um, final comments and sign off. Final observations, guys. Was was there anything in the world of cycling that caught your news? I mean, obviously, Kat Garfoot won the um, Chrono Champion Noir um, in France uh, over the weekend, and uh, Michael Storer and... And Miles Scottson did really well there as well. So, yeah, good good result all round from the Aussies going into the World Time Trial Championships. Um, was there anything else that caught your eye, um, Pat? Yeah, well, that caught my eye. I thought, uh, again, Michael Storer is showing that he continues to progress. And it's fantastic to see his ride at Cadell Evans Road Race early in the year was exceptional. And he continues to uh, gain momentum. So, you know, maybe he'll do a good world. But I'm really excited about what he can offer in 24 months' time. Um, and my only other uh, comment would be uh, how amazing the team effort by uh, Orica was on the second last stage of the Vuelta. Something uh, quite impressive, but also very uh, motivational for any young rider that wants to sort of see what it's all about. Tune into their uh, backstage pass because it just gives you a real insight to what team racing is all about. You know, in this in this situation, it pulled off, and I think that's probably the best example to show that when you do put in the hard work and it pulls off, just how much it, it uh, means to all nine guys that are involved. And um, I quite enjoyed that. Still, at uh, after all the years of been racing, I still enjoyed watching that. Yeah, very true. That it's very much what I watch racing for as well. That strategic element, and when those tactical moves do come off, and Orica did quite a few of them to help um, Esteban Chavez and Simon Yates up into those top positions. Um, Beck, was there anything that you wanted to bring up in particular? Yeah, I guess uh, Chloe Hosking uh, came second behind her teammate Yolene Dehor at the final Women's World Tour race uh, on the weekend, and, and she'd be looking to be uh, our number one sprinter for the World Champs. I imagine the World Championship squad will be announced at some point this week. Um, I've had a couple of riders in the women's side that have withdrawn from selection, including Amanda Spratt and uh, Rachel Malin announced this week that she, she wouldn't be putting her hand up. I know we've got seven riders uh, plus potentially Oceania Champ who will unlikely be selected. Um, so I think we'll just have to, to stay tuned for uh, announcements uh, possibly within the next week about who will uh, be representing Australia at the, the World Champs in Qatar. We should get a um, Pat. We should get a um, a campaign started for get Shannon in the world's team because um, friend of the podcast Shannon Malseed, she's she's the Oceania's champ, so she should be taking up the representation, shouldn't she? Well, she has every right to be uh, there as um, as winning that uh, championship. Um, I think that we're going to see some pretty interesting uh, selections as we always do, and it should be pretty interesting to watch it unfold because I think. At any point, no matter whose they do choose, there's going to be some riders that probably should have gone that won't be going. Um, and uh, I'll look forward to watching it unfold and just seeing what people's thoughts are on the selections that will be made. 
Well, selections is always a great topic for me. I can drum up plenty of interest in people to get who feel they should have been selected. So anyway, and people's all people have always got their opinions. That's okay, right. well, yeah, that should that should do it from from us. Um, thanks, guys, for being with us. Um, uh, good luck for you guys on the weekend, and hope that everyone stays you know rubber side down. Thank you. Right. Thanks, Jamie. Okay, and that does it from the Breakdown Podcast. You can join us in the conversation on Twitter or via Facebook. Um, both times, if you search Breakdown Podcast, you'll get to us. And um, that should be plenty. Okay, see ya.